Hello, and welcome back to our podcast, where we break down complex financial topics and make them accessible to everyone. I'm Tom. And I'm Jen. Today, we have a very exciting topic to cover, fast calculation of counterparty credit exposures and associated sensitivities using Fourier series expansion. Yes, this is a game changer in the financial industry, especially regarding risk management for over-the-counter OTC derivatives. So Jen, why is this paper so significant in its field? Well, Tom, since the 2007-2008 credit crisis, managing counterparty credit risk CCR has been crucial for banks. This paper introduces a faster, more efficient method to calculate exposure metrics like potential future exposure, PFE, and expected exposure, EE, using a Fourier cosine series expansion method, which is a technique initially developed for option pricing. For our listeners who might not be familiar with some of these terms, let's break them down. CCR is the risk that the counterparty to a financial contract will default before the contract's expiration and the survivor will lose money. Right, Tom. And when we talk about exposure metrics such as PFE and EE, we're essentially describing how much risk is associated with potential future losses in a given portfolio. Absolutely, Jen. Now, traditionally, these calculations have been done using Monte Carlo simulations, which are computationally heavy and can be slow. This new method, however, has the potential to be much more efficient. It sure does. By calculating the characteristic function of the total exposure of a portfolio, and then reconstructing the cumulative distribution function, the COS method gets us to PFE and EE far more quickly. Which brings us to the detailed discussion of the paper's objectives, methodology, and key findings. The essence of the paper is that by using COS, we can calculate the netting set level and counterparty level exposures and their sensitivities with high accuracy and speed. For instance, they tested three different portfolio sizes and found that COS was 20 to 100 times faster than the Monte Carlo method. And their theoretical error analysis showed that the error rates converged with the predictions, meaning the COS method is not only fast, but also stable and accurate. As for the implications, this can revolutionize the way banks do daily risk management, potentially saving tons of computational time and resources. That's right especially for portfolios involving a modest number of risk factors. And to wrap it up, the paper concludes with the potential for this method to become a practical alternative to Monte Carlo simulations. So our personal reflections. This is a big leap forward for risk management in financial institutions, and we're excited to see how it will be adopted in real-world applications. There you have it, folks, a complex topic made intuitive we hope you enjoyed this deep dive into fast calculation methods for counterparty credit exposures. We'll be back next week with another enlightening episode. Until then, I'm Jen. And I'm Tom. Thanks for joining us on our award-winning podcast. Welcome back to our award-winning podcast, folks. But first, let's take a quick break for a word from our sponsor, Pandemonium Pushers Limited. Do you ever sit at home thinking, wow, this normalcy is just too normal? Do you crave a dash of disruption, a pinch of pandemonium? Then have we got the product for you. It's the Chaos Button from Pandemonium Pushers Limited. With just one push, your life goes from mundane to a wild hootenanny of happenstance. Unleash an office chair derby down Main Street, or maybe a bubble bath in the town fountain? Who knows? Not you. 
and that's the thrill of it. Just remember, Pandemonium Pushers Limited is not responsible for the jubilant jumble that ensues. So press that button and let chaos reign. Proceed with glee and always a sense of adventure. Now back to our podcast already in progress and possibly experiencing a chaos button moment of its own. Stay tuned and stay spontaneous. Welcome to our Deep Dive podcast, where we explore complex financial concepts and unravel the intricacies of the investment world. I'm your host, Tom. And I'm Jen. Today, we're unpacking a fascinating research paper titled Optimal Portfolio with Ratio-Type Periodic Evaluation Under Short-Selling Prohibition, authored by Wenyuan Wang, Kai Xinyan, and Shang Yu. To give you some background on why this paper is a significant contribution to finance, we must first understand that traditional portfolio management involves maximizing an expected utility function over a set time horizon. It's a well-trodden path since the pioneering works of Merton in the late 60s and early 70s. Exactly, Tom. However, there's a growing interest in long-term portfolio evaluation rather than short-term horizons, leading to various formulations of investment decision problems. This paper takes it a step further by introducing a new criterion, the ratio-type periodic evaluation, which innovatively focuses on the relative performance of portfolios over an infinite horizon. Yes, and this ratio-type evaluation specifically looks at the performance of wealth relative to previous evaluations, rather than an absolute measure. It deviates from previous studies by offering continuous portfolio strategies that naturally incorporate prohibition against short-selling, which, as the paper states, is a common regulatory measure to stabilize stock prices. Diving into some key vocabulary, short-selling is essentially betting that a stock will decrease in value, allowing investors to profit from the decline. The prohibition here means investors can't engage in this practice. Added to that, we have the notion of relative performance, which benchmarks the portfolio's return against a goal or another portfolio's return. Now, onto the core content of the paper. The authors look to solve the optimal portfolio problem with two utility functions, logarithmic and power. The methodology hinges on reformulating the infinite horizon problem into an auxiliary one-period optimization problem that adheres to the short-selling constraints. Absolutely and they employ a dual-control approach to understand the characteristics of the optimal portfolio. They present a thorough model of the market, considering both risky and risk-free assets, and under logarithmic utility, they find that the feedback function of the optimal portfolio is linear in wealth, which aligns with classical Merton models. On the flip side, the power utility case shows a marked departure from the Merton framework. The optimal portfolio process under power utility is periodically characterized rather than following a feedback form. Let's talk implications. The findings have the potential to significantly affect the financial industry, especially how fund managers approach long-term investment strategies in the face of regulatory constraints. The results encourage a paradigm shift in understanding wealth performance, moving from absolute value to relative ratios. To cap it all off, the conclusion the authors reach is profound. The optimal portfolio strategy deeply depends on the periodicity preset by the agent, especially with power utility. This fundamentally changes our understanding of portfolio strategies under different utility assumptions and constraints. Rightly said, Tom. 
As for our personal reflections, this paper opens up new avenues for contemplating long-term investment strategies. The implications of this research extend beyond academia into the realm of practical fund management, making it essential reading for professionals in the finance industry. Through our exploration today, we've shed some light on this complex topic and its broader relevance. For more detailed insights, we encourage enthusiasts and professionals alike to study this paper comprehensively. That wraps up today's episode. Don't forget to like and subscribe for more intricate explorations into the world of finance. This is Jen. And this is Tom, signing off from our Deep Dive podcast. Stay curious and keep learning. And now a message from our enchanting sponsor, Abracadabra Click. Do you ever feel like your life lacks a bit of magic? Are you tired of being a mere muggle with your mundane media? Then presto changeo, grab the wand moat, the remote that's stirring up a spellbinding storm. With a wave of this wizardly wand, you can flip through channels faster than you can say Quidditch. Want to crank up the volume to 11? Just twirl the wand moat and watch as your speakers obey your every command. And when your stomach rumbles like a dragon's belly, don't reach for the phone. Summon a pizza with an enchanting incantation. Pepperoni Patronus! But what if the wand moat goes missing under your sofa fort? Fear not. Simply cry out Axio Wand Moat and back into your hand it flies. No more cushions to flip. Lights too dim for your dramatic reading of the sorcerer's shopping list. Shout Lumos and there shall be light. And with knocks, the darkness returns perfect for those spooky movie nights. The Wand Moat by Abracadabra Click, where we channel the magic into your channels. So remember, if you want to zap, beep, and conjure from your couch, Tom and Jen together, Abracadabra Click is a flick and swish away. Welcome, everyone, to today's episode of our podcast, where we dive deep into the very fabric of our financial markets and today's burning question, can we hedge carbon risk using a network embedding approach? That's right, Tom. In the complex world of sustainable investing, financial experts are consistently on the hunt for methods to integrate environmental considerations into investment decisions. Exactly, Jen. And to guide us through this intricate subject, we're delving into a groundbreaking paper by Michelle Edzone, Maria Chiara Pocelli, and Davide Stocco from the Politecnico di Milano. Their research is a promising step forward in addressing climate risk by utilizing sophisticated algorithms, namely the triangulated maximally filtered graph and node to VEC. And while most of our listeners may not be financial experts or mathematicians, we're here to dissect this dense material and teach the concepts in the most intuitive way possible. Right. So let's paint the broader picture. After the 2015 Paris Agreement, there was a surge in green and sustainable investments. One of the challenges was how non-financial information, like a company's carbon emissions or environmental policies, interplayed with asset prices. And let's not forget, Jen, how ESG ratings, that's environmental, social, and governance criteria, became essential guides for ethical investment. The key problem pointed out by a Zonian team is how these standards are so varied and hence difficult to apply in market strategies. Indeed. And what this study contributes is a strategy not just for any risk factor, but specifically for climate risk, which is remarkable because prior studies have shown conflicting evidence on ESG factors and hedging strategies. Before we get further, 
we need to tackle some complex vocabulary. The paper mentions things like the Triangulated Maximally Filtered Graph, or TMFG, which is essentially a way of simplifying a complex network, and Node2Vec, an algorithm that maps the network into a more workable, low-dimensional numerical space. So, the core of the paper presents a methodology using these tools to create an investment strategy that mitigates climate-related financial risk with a focus on carbon emissions and ESG factors. They built models, portfolios really, that are supposed to hedge against these risks, and their results show that it's indeed possible to create a hedging portfolio for carbon emissions, but not so clear-cut for the broad ESG factors. Now let's talk implications, Tom. Because this isn't just academic, it's tangible. The proposed method could have significant impacts on the market, guiding investors to construct portfolios that are less vulnerable to carbon risk specifically, which is massive given rising awareness of climate change. And to conclude on the paper's broader relevance, I believe it's a step forward in the financial world's attempt to align with the global call for more responsible and sustainable investing. It seems like we can hedge against carbon risk, but ESG as a whole might be too broad for our current analytical tools, Tom. Absolutely, Tom. This research opens the door for more precise tools in sustainable investing, moving us toward better balancing profit and planet. And on that hopeful note, we wrap up today's episode. Thanks for accompanying us on this intellectual journey. Until next time, keep pondering the crucial interconnections between finance and our environment. Goodbye. Goodbye, everyone. Have you ever dreamed of owning your very own dragon? Well, dream no more, introducing the revolutionary Nano Dragon Inc. These aren't just any dragons. They're pocket-sized, genetically engineered nanobots that not only sort your paper clips, but also serve as the fiercest, tiniest bodyguards for your ferns and philodendrons. And breakfast just got an upgrade. Forget your clunky old toaster. Yep, these little critters will give your bread a perfect tan with their nano fire. But don't worry, it's completely controlled and safe for indoor use. With Nano Dragon Inc., you're not just buying a futuristic gadget. You're bridging fantasies and nanotech in the coolest way possible. Who needs a guard dog when you have a swarm of dragons, right? Toast your bread, protect your desk, and live out your medieval fantasies. All with the help of our delightful sponsor, Nano Dragon Inc., where your mythical dreams come to tiny, buzzing life. Hello and welcome to another episode of our Deep Dive podcast series, where we unwrap the technical papers that are stirring up the world of finance. I'm your host, Tom. And I'm Jen, joining Tom in what promises to be a fascinating jaunt into the world of algorithmic trading, speculative behavior, and electronic markets. Today, we're examining a research paper that has caught the eyes of many in the field. That's right, Jen. The paper in question is titled A Simulated Electronic Market with Speculative Behavior and Bubble Formation. It's authored by Nicholas Kofreya, a PhD student, and Professor Magdalena Mozionek-Szweda, both hailing from universities in Poland. In today's episode, we're not just tackling the intricacies of this paper, we're unpacking the entire phenomenon of bubble formation in financial markets. Why it's critical to understand, the mechanics behind it, and most importantly, how simulation can offer us deeper insights. During this journey, we'll explain some bedrock financial concepts and dissect the techniques used by these researchers to unearth new knowledge. 
But this isn't just an academic exercise. We'll also discuss the implications of these findings, how they could shape regulatory policies, inform individual trading strategies, and potentially safeguard our financial systems against instability. And don't worry if you aren't exceptionally versed in finance or economics, we've got your back, explaining all the complexities in a way that's both informative and engaging. So buckle in as we delve into the world of market simulations and bubble dynamics. To properly set the stage, it's essential to recognize that this paper isn't just an isolated piece of research. The study of financial bubbles and their subsequent bursts has captured the attention of economists and traders for ages. Indeed, Jen. Financial bubbles represent a period where assets are valued far beyond their intrinsic worth, often due to crowd psychology, herd behavior, or even regulatory oversights. And when these bubbles burst, they can lead to significant financial crashes, much like the infamous 2000 dot-com bubble or the 2008 housing crisis. The significance of this paper lies in its attempt to scrutinize bubble formation using agent-based models, a method where autonomous agents interact in a simulated market environment, each programmed with different strategies and behaviors. By understanding a bubble's anatomy through simulation, policymakers and financial institutions can better anticipate and react to these situations, potentially mitigating the damages of a market crash. Now let's start unboxing the key concepts. An agent-based model is basically a simulated environment where individual agents following a set of rules interact with each other. Think of it as a sophisticated financial ecosystem in silico, where each organism's behavior affects the market's overall health. These models are particularly valuable because they can reveal emergent phenomena, complex outcomes arising from relatively simple interactions. Through these interactions, researchers can observe the actions of individual entities, such as human traders or algorithmic trading bots, referred to as agents in this context. The key players in this simulated market include the mean reverting agents, who base their trades on the asset's fundamental value, speculative traders, who are more opportunistic and look for quick gains, and market makers, who facilitate trading by providing liquidity. And the researchers employed something called the OU, or Ornstein-Uhlenbeck process, to simulate the asset's fundamental value. This process is ideal for modeling mean reverting behavior. Essentially, it's a way of saying that while the asset price may fluctuate, it tends to return to a long-term average value over time. As for the term speculative behavior, it refers to the trading strategy of purchasing assets with the hope that their price will go up often ignoring the asset's underlying fundamentals just because they believe others will pay more in the future. When we look at the core of this paper, the authors designed a simulation environment filled with these trading agents to observe how their interactions might lead to the formation of a bubble, a situation where asset prices go far beyond their fundamental values. They found that high levels of speculative behavior indeed increased market volatility and led to asset price distortions, classic symptoms of a financial bubble. What's intriguing is how the paper describes the dynamics between these speculative agents and the market maker, showing how excessive trading based on noise rather than fundamentals could lead to a bubble's growth and eventual burst. It's a stark reminder of how essential it is to understand these market behaviors, not just for academic purposes, but for the very real implications they have on the stability of financial markets across the globe.
And with that, we wrap up our comprehensive breakdown of this paper. We've seen how influential these agent-based simulations can be in illuminating the processes that underpin financial market behavior. It's been a real eye-opener, Tom, considering the real-world parallels to the growth of algorithmic trading among both institutional investors and retail traders alike. As we conclude, we reflect on the power of simulation to arm us with knowledge, knowledge that could one day prevent financial catastrophes or at least lessen their impact. Until next time, dear listeners, keep questioning, keep learning, and stay financially savvy. This is Jen. And Tom, signing off from today's intellectually stimulating episode. See you at the next analysis session. Are you tired of sticking out like a sore thumb? Do you dream of dissolving into the drapes during dreadful dinner parties? We'll blend in like never before with Chamwell Cloco. Our newest chameleon commuter cape isn't just a cloak. It's an invisibility shield for the fashion forward. Standing on the subway, squeezed up against a sea of sweaty strangers. Just disappear, literally become part of the landscape. Our chroma shift technology will have you matching the murals, mingling with the metalwork, or melding with the magenta seat covers. Our capes are perfect for evading exes, escaping employment, or just for when you're feeling a little shy. With ChamWow, you're not just hiding, you're hote hiding. So rush on over to ChamWow, Cloak Co. And remember our motto, blend in like never before. That's ChamWow, Cloak Co. Camouflage, but make it fashion. Welcome, listeners, to another episode of our deep dive into fascinating academic papers. I'm Tom. And I'm Jen. Today, we're grappling with a very complex but incredibly significant paper in the field of optimal transport and risk management. That's right, Jen. The paper we're analyzing is titled Optimal Transport Divergences Induced by Scoring Functions by Silvana M. Pacenti and Stephen Van Duffel. Now, before we dive in, let's set the stage with some context. Optimal transport is a field that dates back to the 18th century and Gaspar Monge, it addresses how to most efficiently move or transform one distribution into another. And this concept doesn't just apply to soil or physical goods. It spans economics, engineering, image processing, and even fluid dynamics. The core problem in optimal transport is posed as a minimization problem, given a cost function defining the price of moving mass from one point to another. Traditionally, the cost function is symmetric, like squaring the distance between points. However, in the real world, especially in finance and risk management, asymmetric cost functions might be more appropriate. For example, a decision maker might weight potential losses more heavily than equivalent gains. This paper specifically looks at something novel, using scoring functions from statistics as cost functions for the optimal transport problem. Generally, scoring functions are used for eliciting truthful forecasts or predictions and comparison of models. Right, Jen. And these scoring functions are asymmetric by nature, which makes them especially interesting for our optimal transport problem. The authors link the world of scoring functions and risk measurement with optimal transport theory to introduce a whole new class of divergences. Divergences that can indeed generalize on the concept of Bregman-Wasserstein divergences. In the next part, let's talk about the methodology the authors used and what they found. The authors applied this new idea to derive optimal couplings, basically the most efficient way of transforming one distribution into another while incurring the least possible cost 
by the defined scoring functions. And remarkably, they discovered that for most new divergences, these optimal couplings are attained with what's called comonotonic coupling, essentially when both distributions move in sync with each other. To add to that, Jen, they noticed that although each elicitable functional can have infinitely many scoring functions and thus infinitely many new divergences, they typically converge to the same optimal coupling, a simplification that could have significant practical benefits. What's impressive here is that the paper also bridges a theoretical advancement to multiple applications. These new divergences could lead to more robust stochastic optimization in finance, like creating bounds on risk measures or finding cost-efficient portfolio strategies. Absolutely, Jen. And this leads us into the implications of the findings. These new divergences offer richer modeling of distributional uncertainty, which is essential when assessing risk or making decisions in unpredictable economic environments. And that brings us to our conclusion. What we've observed is that the introduction of these novel asymmetric Monj-Kantorovich divergences opens doors in risk assessment and management, providing fresh, efficient, and more nuanced tools for professionals. As someone who loves seeing theory applied in real practical ways, Jen, I think these findings are a game changer. The broad applications, from economics to engineering and beyond, highlight the interdisciplinary might of optimal transport theory. And the applications in robust optimization indicate that the financial industry, for one, could see substantial advancements with this research. It's truly mind-blowing how theory weaved in effectively with practical applications can elevate entire industries. With that, we've reached the end of this deep dive. I'm Tom. And I'm Jen. We hope this discussion on optimal transport divergences induced by scoring functions was as thrilling for you as it was for us. Until next time, keep pondering the complexities of the world and stay curious. Have you ever wanted to journey across the cosmos from the comfort of your living room? With Comet Carpet Galactic Rug Ride Inc., you can do just that. Our carpets come with real comet dust that will light up your life and your decor. Our patented Star technology weaves actual stardust into each fiber, making your floor glow like the Milky Way. Imagine having the universe at your feet. And for those of you worried about intergalactic spills, our exclusive meteorite stain resistance has you covered. Cosmic dust, supernova residue, or just a splash of wine, it doesn't stand a chance. Say goodbye to boring earthly floor coverings and float above the ordinary. Each step on a comet carpet is a leap into the unknown. So don't walk Comet Across the Galaxy with Carpet Galactic Rug Ride Inc. Your home will quite literally be out of this world. Disclaimer. Comet Carpet does not actually transport you through space, but don't let that stop your imagination. The glow does not attract alien life that we know of.